0: From WGVU, this is Focus West Michigan for Wednesday, February 28, 2024. I'm Joe Bilecki. For our main feature today, Patrick Center has this week's Crane's Grand Rapids Business Brief. Also, a popular dog beach is set to reopen in Ottawa County, presidential primary results, and more state and West Michigan news. Focus West Michigan is brought to you by listeners like you. To support this show and everything we do here, visit wgvunews.org and click the donate button. A popular dog beach will fully reopen to Ottawa County residents this spring. WGVU's David Limbaugh has the details.
1: In May of 2020, High Lake Michigan water levels began eroding a portion of the Kirk Park Beach dune that damaged steps that were removed, leading to the South Dog Beach. Access to the North Beach is too narrow for both the public and dogs. A compromise allows dogs at the Kirk Park Beach in the mornings and evenings during spring and summer months. Uh, it was necessarily uh, the favorite decision of a lot of our dog lovers out there. They were frustrated with not being able to have their dogs on the beach in the middle of the day. But according to Jason Berger with Ottawa County Parks and Recreation, starting May 1st, dogs will once again be allowed off-leash on the south end of the beach during all normal park hours. Berger says the county tried to get those beach access steps restored as soon as possible, but it wasn't easy. that had occurred. The banks were very unstable. They were still continuing to slough sand off and it just wasn't uh, an environment that we could actually build on. Berger says those new stairs will be completed within the next few weeks. He also says that a portion of Kirk Park's Dune Ridge Trail was eroded, but they hope to have that restored within the year.
2: So that that trail can again have Lake Michigan views and great places to just sit and watch over the beach and the
1: lake. I'm David Limbaugh.
0: President Joe Biden decisively won Michigan's Democratic primary yesterday, but there was a significant protest vote.
1: We have more from Rick Pluta. The Michigan results continue Biden's inexorable march toward winning the Democratic nomination. But in Michigan, he did face a challenge from groups urging Democrats to vote for uncommitted instead of Biden. That's to protest his handling of Israel's invasion of Gaza, which the U.N. says has killed tens of thousands of civilians. Michigan Democratic Party Chair LaVora Barnes.
3: The pain is real and deep and true. I recognize it. And so does Joe Biden. This is a man of tremendous empathy and compassion. No one should ever question that.
1: Barnes and other Democrats say Biden is committed to bringing peace to the region also that come November, they expect Michigan voters will see that Biden is a better alternative to former President Donald Trump. I'm Rick Pluto. Groups that called
0: on Michigan Democrats to vote uncommitted in Tuesday's presidential primary are declaring victory. The vote was intended as a rebuke of President Joe Biden's policy of supporting Israel in its war on Hamas in Gaza. Abbas Alawiya is a spokesperson with the coalition Listen to Michigan. He told an audience in Dearborn last night that President Biden must respond to their demands
4: publicly call for a permanent, lasting ceasefire. It's the bare minimum when over 13,000 children have been killed using our taxpayer dollars and using US bombs. And two, stop funding the Israeli military's war crimes. Stop funding endless war.
0: Uncommitted accounted for tens of thousands of votes cast in Michigan's Democratic primary. Christina Karamo can no longer call herself the chair of the Michigan Republican Party. She's also been barred from accessing the party's mailboxes and calling meetings of the state party. That's the ruling of a Kent County Circuit Court judge yesterday. It's the latest development in an internal battle over control of the state GOP. A faction of state party leaders voted to oust Karamo last month. They said they were frustrated with her leadership and concerned about the party's finances. Karamo, said that vote was illegitimate. Now the National Republican Party and the Kent County Circuit Court have both held that the vote to remove Karamo was done properly. She succeeded by former Michigan Congressman Pete Hoekstra. Former President Donald Trump is the unofficial winner of Michigan's presidential primary election. Colin Jackson
4: has more. Trump topped the polls on the same day that the man he backed to lead the state Republican Party won a court ruling to put him in charge of the Michigan GOP. That man is former Michigan Congressman Pete Hoekstra. Hoekstra says the court's decision has traditional election year players starting to feel optimistic after months of turmoil.
2: There's been a lot of people who have been working uh, over the last year because they saw a vacuum in the political environment that there was not a state party they could work with. Uh, the response is, wow, we got the party back a year early.
4: Hoekstra says he's now focused on winning Michigan for Trump. Former party chair Christina Caramo contested her removal and replacement with Hoekstra as a coup by party insiders. I'm Colin Jackson in Grand Rapids.
0: A new apartment complex design near downtown Grand Rapids is attracting a slightly older group of renters. WGVU's Steve Morrison explains. It's- not just a flat crammed in property. It's a very nice outdoor
3: feel. That's one of the reasons developer Rick Cavanaugh thinks people are interested in the new Savannah at Waterford Village Apartments on Grand Rapids West Side.
0: There's been a, a trend in the multifamily industry over the last seven, eight years that instead of building more vertical product is to go a little bit more horizontal.
3: Meaning instead of high-rise apartments downtown, Stonely Companies built a complex of one-story apartments that feel more like single-family homes in a neighborhood with parks, ponds, and gardens. The project is attracting slightly older renters than first expected, people who sold their homes and want to stay in the community but don't want the hassles of owning a property.
0: So I think that's going to attract the young professionals of the 20s, 30s, maybe a little bit of Gen Z, a little bit more towards the baby boomer side. That's a group that surprised us.
3: Savannah has 250 units off Lake Michigan Drive with rates from 1600 to 2900 a month in a 52-acre community with a putting green, walking in bike paths, and community areas for fitness and entertaining.
0: Uh, You're going to see a shift from people who move from single family to rental and this is a perfect opportunity for them lifestyle wise.
3: I'm Dee Morrison.
0: A team of researchers from Wayne State University have received a federal grant to investigate the genetic basis of some cancers in the African-American population. The researchers say genetic testing has identified genes in multiple populations that predispose them to certain cancers. It's also led to new and more effective treatments. But African-Americans have largely missed out on those advances because they're underrepresented in large genetic studies. That's according to Wayne State oncology professor Jennifer B.B. dimmer She's the co-principal investigator on the project.
3: So, We know far less about genes which predispose African-Americans to being diagnosed with cancer or for poor survival after they're diagnosed.
0: The research will utilize a large existing database of African-American cancer survivors in Detroit. It is National Invasive Species Awareness Week, and with local temperatures on the rise, you may be thinking about preparing for that first camping trip of the season. WGVU's David Limbaugh has tips on how you can prevent the spread of invasive species as you travel.
1: When you think of invasive species, you may think of insects like the emerald ash borer.
3: Emerald ash borer, when it was finally identified, it had already paved a path of destruction for the state's ash trees, not only in Michigan, but really across the nation.
1: Jennifer Holt is the communications director with the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. She says invasive species rarely have natural predators or other means of controlling them, which is why it's important residents do their part to stem the spread.
3: And it doesn't just have to be a bug of some sort. It can be a plant. um, It can be another pathogen that are just not native to the state of Michigan. There
1: are several ways residents can help. One of the biggest is buying heat-treated wood or buying wood where you burn it to avoid transporting insects or treating diseases that may be hitchhiking on untreated wood. Also,
3: looking at all of your shoes, clothing, gear, vehicles to make sure they are pest and seed-free, especially when you're traveling from one spot to another. You
1: can find more tips and an up-to-date list of current invasive species at michigan.gov backslash invasive. I'm David Limbaugh. Corwell Health plans
0: to build an $80 million service center in Wyoming to support operations statewide. WGVU's Steve Morrison reports.
3: Corwell Health has planned for the former site of the General Motors plant on 36th Street near U.S. 131 in Wyoming. This Consolidated Service Center, when it's all finished, is a state-of-the-art Consolidated Service Center that will support the entire state of Michigan for Corwell Health. Sarah Vanderwood, Corwell's Vice President of Operations, commented at the Wyoming Planning Commission meeting. The center will house supply chain offices, a courier fleet, and mail services with space for future needs. It will employ 240 people in three shifts, including weekends. Nicole Hofert, Wyoming's Director of Community and Economic Development says mailers went out to 300 residents who live within 600 feet of the site. This isn't something that the city would customarily do, but because of the history of the site and the excitement around the project, we wanted to make sure that the neighbors knew about it. GM opened a fisher body plant on the site in 1936, but it had been vacant since the plant closed in 2009. Planning Commission Chairperson David Maselli is pleased to recommend the City Commission approve the plan.
2: Thank you for choosing Wyoming. We are very, very excited to have you guys here. And we're looking forward to working with you,
0: not only today, but in the future. You made our day.
3: You
1: really <laughs> made our
0: day.
3: I'm Dee Morrison.
4: This is Ira Glass of This American Life.
3: And I'm coming to Grand
4: Rapids to give a talk that I call Seven Things I've Learned, which is basically just an excuse to tell a bunch of stories, play some clips, play some video, talk about how we make the radio show. There's stuff that we have not put on the air and never will put on the air. It's a bunch of stories that are just really fun to tell in front of a crowd. Join me Saturday, April 6th at DeVos Performance Hall. For tickets, visit DeVosPerformanceHall.com. Again, DeVosPerformanceHall.com.
0: In our Crane's Grand Rapids business brief, WGVU's Patrick Center talks with Crane's senior writer Mark Sanchez about a new state law taking effect Friday designed to protect healthcare workers from abusive hospital visitors. And Grand Action 2.0 has filed its soccer stadium construction plans with the city of Grand Rapids. What happens next?
2: Basically, another step in the process and a significant step in the process. This is a story uh, my co worker Kate Carlson did Friday last week, Friday afternoon. Grant Action 2.0 filed formal construction plans with the city of Grand Rapids for an 8,500-seat soccer stadium, $108 million investment on the west side. Yes, it will go on that parcel in behind the former big boy. And this is a project that's been talked about for a few years, a couple years since it was first envisioned. We've been writing about it, covering this, and looks like it's going to happen. This is an important step in the process to now get these plans filed with the city. So the city can go over and take a look at them and review them. And props to the folks at Grand Action. They've been having a series of uh, neighborhood meetings over the last number of weeks that they've really been talking to folks in the neighborhood, refining the plans. And yes, they are well aware that there's a traffic issue there, especially with that traffic coming off the freeway on the road there. And how does everything fit together? Patrick, we've talked about this project many times on this show, and here it is. Here is some definitive actions that this project is going forward, and there are plans now filed with the city to really bring this project about.
4: $108 million for the conceptual design stage and estimates for the facility. That's according to the planning application. It's a big project of course, cost does shift, design will shift, but we have at least a sense of what this will look like. There are renderings, and there's even mm-hmm. discussion within that filing of materials that will be used.
2: It's interesting uh, reading through that and uh, what uh, Kate wrote about this is materials, just you know putting together that whole business plan and, and who builds it, who does it, who does the work, the materials used, and how it fits into that neighborhood all to come about during this now review process by the city. There is parking available. You may have to walk to it a little bit, but it's a pretty close walk to the core area of downtown. And again, I can't stress this enough that this is a process and this is a big, big step in that process. We will find out more
4: of the Grand Rapids City Planning Commission is scheduled to consider this request, and that is March 28th. So we'll learn much more then. Also involved in this, as mentioned, Grand Action 2.0. They're the organization that has submitted the plans. Also doing quite well in Crane's Grand Rapids Business Newsmakers Awards.
2: Yeah, we had our uh, annual Newsmakers of the Year Award over at Meyer Garden on Tuesday morning. And Grand Action 2.0 was our uh, big winner in the top category as Newsmaker of the Year for these projects, especially the uh, amphitheater along the riverfront that. Going forward, and then our uh, CEO, publisher, Casey Crane, had a good conversation with Carol Van Andel, who's a co-chair of Grand Action 2.0, and really talked about, first, we do need to raise some money, so folks are interested. You know, you've got AccraSure that provided, a little while back, $30 million to sign as a sponsor for the uh, amphitheater. So, yeah, there's some money to be raised, but she talked about just the process, and... How Grand Action goes about its work and remember the original Grand Action was was the organization behind Van Andel Arena, DeVos Place, the medical school, the downtown market. So it's an organization with a track record of accomplishment and there are two big projects here now with the amphitheater and soccer stadium that it's the first time they've taken on two major projects at the same time. So it's again a process. And there could be a third. One of the things uh, Carol Van Andel said at our event uh, yesterday was, there's a third big project coming. She wouldn't give any clues. She wouldn't give any hint. Just kind of a little teaser to keep an eye on what they're doing and keep an eye on their progress because there is indeed a third big project in downtown Envisioned. And we'll see that uh, hopefully unfold in the near future.
4: We could speculate, but we should probably hold back.
2: Yeah, we, we could, but you're right. Uh, Prudency says we should eh, maybe want to be a little careful with our uh, speculation. It's again, it's an organization with a good track record of accomplishments. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out with, whether it's uh, in the near term, as I said, or this is a longer term project in the in the months or even years ahead. We'll see what they come out with, but this is a group that uh, it does big bold projects, and it's got a track record of getting them done. We're talking with
4: Cranes Grand Rapids business senior writer Mark Sanchez. Coming Friday, a new state law takes effect. Its underpinnings really date back to the pandemic.
2: To the pandemic, and actually well before, it just simply accelerated and got a lot worse in the pandemic. And this is basically assaults occurring in hospitals, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, assaults, uh, batteries occurring in hospitals and ERs. And it really grew exponentially early in the pandemic. Last year, the state legislature enacted a couple of new laws, and they take effect here on March 1st, basically doubling the penalties. If you lose your cool in the ER, um, if you're a family member of somebody in the ER or visiting somebody in the hospital and you lose your cool and lose control and you strike out and lash out, The penalties have doubled against you. And the interesting aspect of these laws is they don't apply, these higher penalties do not apply to patients. Now, if a patient lashes out and assaults that nurse, the doctor, whoever, yes, they are still subject to uh, criminal prosecution if there's a police report filed and charges filed. But the double penalties, the heightened penalties, are for folks, generally the visitors, family members who lash out. And, uh, you know, Patrick, uh, I write a lot about healthcare, and it's just really been disheartening the last few years to hear some of these stories from folks who are healthcare professionals about just what they've had to endure. Not only just, you know, remember how bad it was four years ago, and then later in Grand Rapids, it got pretty bad at one point, but just now they've become kind of. Victimized, They become the target of people who just lose control and let their emotions get out of control, and they lash out. And I've talked to folks who have been spit on, they've been punched, they've been kicked, they've been pushed, they've had objects thrown at them. The folks at Trinity Health in Grand Rapids will tell stories about a colleague there who had to have facial surgery. She was assaulted by a person there at the hospital and needed surgery to repair some fractured bones in her, in her face. So this is a real problem with healthcare of people lashing out. And the hope is that these heightened penalties, these doubling of the penalties, and then hospitals have to post signs across the facility saying, hey, assault's not part of our job, guys you assault a nurse or a healthcare worker, there are double penalties now. The hope is that it just brings awareness and will get people to just stop that behavior and uh, think twice about, their, about controlling their emotions in that ER and not lashing out at people.
4: And this comes at a time when hospitals are experiencing a nursing shortage.
2: Absolutely. There is a, an acute nursing shortage in healthcare today, and it's getting worse. And a lot of nurses have left the profession during the pandemic. They're burned out. This is one of the top reasons cited on why they're burned out the physical and verbal abuse they've had to tolerate. And again, the hope is that this generates awareness and gets people to just think twice about when they're getting emotional and they're getting out of control. But you're right. It's an issue that has contributed to this nursing shortage because. Who wants to work in an environment when they're unsafe or they feel unsafe? Nobody. It's a big issue in healthcare that's gone mostly under the radar. But now with these uh, new laws taking effect here this week, uh, it's something you're going to see a lot more attention to on the healthcare side.
4: Crane's Grand Rapids business senior writer Mark Sanchez. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick.
0: This has been Focus West Michigan from WGVU for Wednesday, February 28, 2024. I'm Joe Bilecki. Our audio operations manager is Rick Bierling, and our news and public affairs director is Patrick Center. We'll be back with more news and events in West Michigan tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.